Welcome to the Creative Writers Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you advice and insights for your writing. I'm Andy Chamberlain, I'm a writer and creative writing coach, and in each episode, we'll be exploring an aspect of the craft together. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you can also find out about the Creative Writers Tool Belt Handbook, which takes all the best advice and insights from the early episodes of the podcast and distills them into one volume. I hope this podcast is helpful to you on your writing journey. If you do find it useful, please do subscribe and consider leaving a review as well wherever you downloaded it. So thank you for joining me and here's this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of The Creative Writer's Tool Belt. The American writer Joyce Carol Oates famously said, the biggest obstacle for writers is distraction from other people. And that, I would say, is substantially true. But those who say we should simply exclude these distracting people from our lives are, I would suggest, offering a solution that is both naive and quite selfish. And it doesn't really allow for the reality of what's happening in our lives, because in truth, it's usually the people that we love most and to whom we have the most commitment who are the most distracting. And we choose to continue to be in relationship with them. We choose not to cut them off from ourselves. And I'm talking here about our partner, our children, family members, close friends, maybe other vulnerable people to whom we've made some kind of commitment. And it seems to me that rather than just talking about distancing ourselves from these people, what we have to do is find a way of acknowledging our responsibilities to those to whom we have a commitment, while still finding the time and energy to write. And to achieve this balance is, in fact, an essential skill for the writer's life. So to help me explore this issue and to offer some practical steps of help, I have invited two writers to join me today, and they are Sam Mills and Michael J. Harvey. Sam studied English language and literature at Oxford University and then worked as a journalist and publicist before giving it all up to write full time. She has published seven books, the latest of which is The Fragments of My Father, which explores her personal story of becoming a carer to her father, who has schizophrenia. Michael J. Harvey is a fantasy novelist with degrees in history from Leicester and Cambridge Universities. He's a blogger, a writer, a traveller, but also a husband and a father to two young children. Both of my guests have people to whom they have commitments, and so they have had to learn to walk this line between the legitimate commitments in their lives and their desire and calling to be writers. I really enjoyed talking to these guys about their lives and about the strategies that they use to help them with their writing. I hope you'll enjoy listening to what they have to say and find some of their suggestions useful. So welcome to the Creative Writers Tool Belt podcast. I have two guests today. Uh, That is Sam Mills and Michael J. Harvey. And we're talking about the business of life and and fitting writing around the business of life. And as we speak, Michael hasn't joined us yet. No doubt the business of life has has snared him. But Sam is with us. So, Sam, welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I wondered if we could start by you telling us a little bit about you as a writer and what you've written and what you've published. So, so let's let's start with your with your writing life, shall we? Yes, I 
have been a full-time writer for many years, which has often meant periods of austerity. And I got published in 2005. I sent the opening of a chapter to Faber and Faber just before they closed their slush pile. And I was very lucky. I sent it to Faber and they wrote back within a day saying they were interested. And that became my first novel, which was A Nicer Way to Die. So that was a young adult novel, quite dark. And I did some political thrillers with Faber. And I then did an adult novel called The Quiddity of Will Self, which was a little bit like being John Malkovich, only about Will Self. It was (laughs) uh, quite experimental, bizarre. And I've also published some nonfiction recently. I published a memoir called The Fragments of My Father, Mm. which uh, explored being a carer to my father who has schizophrenia. Also Shobo Feminism, which is um, a feminist essay, which came out with a small press, Indigo Press. Okay. Michael has just joined us. Michael, welcome. We were just speculating that we're doing a podcast episode on how it can life can get very busy. And we suspected or I suspected that a, a moment of busyness had overtaken you perhaps sorting the kids out or doing something like that. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Very in keeping with tonight's theme, I was delayed getting the boys to bed. Um, So, yeah, thanks for bearing with me. That's okay. It's good to have you with us now. So Sam is just talking a little bit about her writing career. So, Michael, uh, in your busy life, I wondered if you could tell us just for a moment or two about the right kind of writing you do and where you're at with your writing career now. Sure, absolutely. So my name's Michael Harvey. I'm a Cambridge-based author, blogger, and world builder. I write mainly fantasy stories. I've been writing them since my primary school days, and they are overwhelmingly focused on a place called the world of Ashtrom, which is an imaginary world of my own creation. That's where I set the epic fantasy novels that I write. Oran Amilar was first written 17 years ago, but was finally published in 2019. Uh, So the first book of that trilogy, The Call of the Mountain, came out in 2019. And it was followed by Rite of Passage and Power Unimaginable in 2020 to complete the Oran Amilar trilogy. I'm now following that up with the sequel, Starbane, which is going to be an epic four-part series, uh, very much in the same mold of of, of epic quests, adventure, and magic. Oran Amilar was very much the introduction to that world, and, and Starbane will take over. So that's my main project at the moment, but I'm also writing for my blog to keep people interested in exploring the world while, while they wait for the next novel, and also premium-length material for my Patreon fans. Okay, so that's interesting. You're, you're, you're using Patreon at the, mo- at the moment as well, just to kind of loop people in and, and keep people interested. And we might come back to that in a moment. But Sam, I want to come back to, to you now. You uh, briefly mentioned some of the circumstances that you're in, but I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more now about the responsibilities that you have in your life as well as doing your writing. Yes, well, I'm very fortunate in that um, I'm a full-time writer, which means being prolific as well. So I was always had a fairly sort of freewheeling existence and and the freedom, if you like, to move around, to live cheaply and therefore to make that work. But then my mum passed away just over a decade ago and my father has had schizophrenia since I was three years old. And 
it was a big change for him to then be living on his own because she had been his carer and obviously his partner too, mm. but really looking after him and keeping him steady. And in 2016, he began to, 2015 to 2016, he began to develop these very mysterious catatonic states where he would be unable to walk or speak or talk, but he would be conscious. You know, it was like being in a waking coma and mm. he would suddenly collapse into these states and then he'd have to go to hospital and then into a psychiatric home for months, which was obviously very intense because I would be visiting, spending hours each day visiting and, and liaising with the doctors and trying to work out this mysterious illness. And so it, during that time, I became his carer and then moved back with him to his to his the family home if you like to look after him so it's not as intense now as it was then and he has stabilized but it's still something which I have to think about all the time because I have to make sure he doesn't slip into a catatonic state it can be very dangerous if he was you know washing his hands in the sink and it happened it would flood the house and mm. it, could, it could do him a lot of harm obviously if he mm. had this catatonic collapse in a when he was cooking or anything like that so I have to always monitor him and make sure that's not going to happen um and look after him as well as writing so those are the things I balance yeah right so does that mean you are kind of on duty all the time then pretty much like are you like even right now are you having to be aware that something might happen and that's that's in the back of your mind all the time yes I mean I suppose I've got used to it it's it's not that it it won't happen without signs and signals that we've grown to spot we've sort of developed an antennae I say this is me and my brothers an antennae for spotting yeah. the signs so there it's not quite as worrying as though it could happen any second but Yes, I do have to be alert and sensitive each day to his moods mm. and any sort of warning signs that this could be coming on. And so okay, on. yeah. Um, Michael, let's turn to you now. So do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the kind of professional and personal responsibilities that you have then that you have to juggle with with the writing that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Although writing was my first love, sadly, it's not yet a full time career. So I do have to find other ways to make ends meet. I've been a marketer and fundraiser for over a decade now, working in the third sector. So I've worked for a variety of charities, uh, including CBM, uh, the RSPB, and currently at the moment, Tier Fund. Uh, so I work for an international development charity and I do fundraising for them. So I help uh, project manage a lot of their big appeals uh, and fundraising efforts. So that's the day job. Um, I work from home uh, in the same room that I use for my writing, which certainly poses its challenges. Mm. Um, but I've also, obviously, my actually my main focus is my family. So I'm married to Lucy. We're coming up to 12 years of marriage this summer. Um, we've got two small boys, Ethan and Luke, who are both at primary school and uh, preschool age. So they're, they're, they're quite young yet, quite mm. young still. And they are absolutely my priority. You know, I, I can't parent in my spare time. So the writing very much has to fit around them rather than the other way around. Mm. So uh, maybe we could just stick with you for the moment, Michael. So you've said that the writing has to fit around you. And a lot of people listening to this will will really understand that because they've just got other other kinds of responsibilities. So with, with the things that you have to do, how do you make time for your writing? What 
what structures do you put in place or what habits do you have or techniques or routines that help you to at least carve out some time for, for your writing work? Good question. The, the single most important thing I do is to have a, a dedicated evening set aside for it. You know, there's at least one evening every week, which is absolutely sacrosanct. For a good many years now, that's been a Monday night. So Monday has become writing night and very much enshrined in the family rhythm. Right. Uh, my wife, Lucy, has been fantastic, been very supportive and very understanding. She accepted very early on that I'm a citizen of two worlds uh, and I spend <laughs> half my time in this world, half my time in another. But, you know, she's also very good at pulling me up if I'm spending too much time in the one rather than the other right but she does let me have the monday evening as as dedicated time so that's when i i really focus on the novel writing when i know for sure that i can get several good hours on a regular basis and anything beyond that really is a bonus to be honest um you know i try and carve out at least one other evening in the week and uh, and and a weekend slot uh, but they tend to be a little bit more variable so my guaranteed slots are are not as frequent or as long as I would like them to be, which means that I have to be very, very disciplined about the use of that time. And I have to come to them ready to write. So a lot of the secret to it is in what happens before the writing. So getting yourself in the right headspace, thinking and planning ahead and, and, and anticipating that so that I'm not coming to it cold. Uh, so when I sit down, I've got the ideas ready and bubbling up. I've been thinking about what I need to write next. And so I'm ready to go and ready to make the most of that time. And do you do anything to manage the environment you're in, by which I mean anything in the physical space you're sitting in or anything to do with like switching the Internet off or putting your phone away? Or do you, is, there, are there, is there stuff like that that you do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a few things and, and it's, it's not easy, particularly since lockdown here and working from home um, all day, every day. Uh, in the same space, I, I have to make a real mental shift and uh, yeah. takes real effort at the end of the working day to switch off mm. from work. And then it, there's a nice buffer of family time, which helps me reset. So by the time I come back up to this room, I'm now in a writing frame of mind and it is yeah. my writing space. Okay. Um, I use uh, music and lighting a lot to create the right ambience. I find that very, very helpful for just getting in the right headspace and you know, just for writing in the right tone and register. I, I love to listen to, you know, dramatic, epic soundtrack scores and music. Yeah. I have the lights down low. So, you know, have lamps and candles rather than the big lights. And definitely yeah, turn off WhatsApp, turn off all the unnecessary internet browsers. You know, I will keep the internet open because so often when I'm writing, I'll need to quickly do a bit of impromptu research sure. on a particular sure. thing. So right. I can't turn the internet off completely, but I do close down absolutely everything that isn't essential. But you find you can write then, as in first draft type writing with some music going on. And, and if yeah. it's the right music, that helps. Yeah, right. definitely. Okay. I think I'd find it more difficult to write without the music now. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, certainly when I'm when I'm immersing myself in the world, when I'm writing the novel, yeah, the actual prose, it's a bit different when I'm writing about the world. But when I'm writing in the world, then that's when I really have to be in the right headspace. Sure. So, Sam, just coming to you now then and thinking about how you tackle these problems. So what are the routines and habits that you have which help you 
to create the space for your writing? Well, as writing is my my full time joy and my job, I tend to go out to cafes and libraries because it's very difficult to concentrate at home. So I have quite a compartmentalized routine. So, you know, I'll spend some time with my dad in the morning and then go out to write for a couple of hours and then come back and cook my dad lunch. And then again, go out and have an art, try and have a good afternoon stint. And so, yeah, it became very difficult when the pandemic hit and lockdowns occurred because I suddenly, there were obviously all the cafes shut and I was really sort of hunched up in bed trying to write and and struggling. And it was the least prolific period of my life. Mm. I did find that quite hard because I associate home with my dad and with looking after him and with caring for him and I associate going out with writing you know the moment I'm at a bus stop I'm starting to read over my work or I'm starting to think as I sort of go to the cafe or the library I'm mulling it over in my mind so home I associate with with my dad um and in April of this year when the cafes opened just outside I was immediately out to those cafes sitting outside shivering often the wind sending my papers flying everywhere but just so grateful to be able to be back in my office if you like I mean one of the the interesting things picking up on what you've said and thinking about what Michael said is the importance of space the space you're working in I would guess there isn't like one rule for how you create a space but somehow you have to create a space or it's helpful at least to create a space to write in is that is that fair to say I think it is important and when I look back to my teenage years because I was a very keen and prolific writer then as well and I used to do my homework and then I was writing in my bedroom I I would often just say to my parents look this is very antisocial but please don't even knock on the door or disturb me for this length of time and I would just sort of um, and they were really kind and supportive and they would sort of give me that space to to do it um, because uh, it's just so hard if you if you feel that you can be interrupted it's very hard to settle down it's a psychological issue I have I just have mm-hmm. to feel that no one is going to come and chat to me or speak mm-hmm. to me and in the cafe I'm safe I mean I think once or twice someone's come up and said are you writing a diary or something and then I just looked at them blankly and they wandered off <laughs> but generally you know it's a it's a safe environment uh, yeah. I can just get on and do you have a kind of switch the internet off switch the social media off or or is there any any stuff like that that you do to try and limit the kind of external distractions Yes, I, I agree with Michael on this front. I think um, although the internet is sometimes very helpful for research, it is also a distraction. So for many years, I wouldn't allow myself to have a smartphone. I just had this rubbish phone and it, it was really difficult because I didn't have Google Maps and all those very helpful things that come with it, simply so that I could not access the internet when I was writing. And I just had that depth of concentration that builds hour upon hour. Um, and unfortunately, last year I was forced to get a smartphone because I was doing publicity for fragments of my father and recording mm. things for Radio 4. And I absolutely had to buy one. But I don't think it's necessarily been a great thing. Um, I do sometimes just I, I can't always leave it behind, but I do sometimes wonder if I should go back to the old rubbish phone, really, because the Internet can it, it does fracture your concentration and 
just even an hour away from it, I find there's a unification in my thinking that gradually occurs. And that's just really produces much better prose, much better thought. And so I would rather just be away from it for that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, so actually, the distraction of social media, the internet, and stuff is is a real is a really negative thing, for the sound of it, for you. Yes, because if you you know the problem with say something like Twitter, I do use Twitter, and it's it's really lovely to engage with people. That but that's the problem. You put a tweet out there, people reply, and you can put you know a tweet can the aftermath or the afterburn of a tweet can go on for hours as you know two hours later someone comes back to you with something really interesting I mean it's very engaging and charming and I enjoy it but um it's just it's constantly just breaking up your train of thought so not not good really then not good no I time my tweets quite carefully as well so that I don't tweet just before I'm about to do a writing session um, and then I'm sort of tempted even in the cafe to log on and look and see oh, oh. who's responding. So I try, I, I sort of, if I put a tweet out, I try and do it when I'm not, when I perhaps, you know, I'm going, I'm going off perhaps to meet a friend and I'm in a more sociable outward mode. So I'm really careful about, about that as well. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I kind of slight nuance on, on these challenges and, and I'll, I'll stay with you for the moment, Sam, and then I'll come to you, Michael, with, with this. So there's the issue of time and the and the distractions and the drain on your time but there's also I think kind of emotional and creative energy and what's you I wanted to know what your perspective on this was Sam is do you find in life that there are times when maybe maybe things have been difficult with your dad or something and and you've therefore used up a lot of emotional energy and creative energy and it's just exhausting do you have to try and conserve emotional creative energy as you do time Yes, on the one hand, I think that that is true. I think writing is very much about energy. Um, And in 2016, when things were really bad, I set aside the very ambitious novel that I was working on at that Mm. time. And I opted for a novel for teenagers, which which is not to say that's easy to write either. Writing any type of novel is is very Mm. challenging. But it was a shorter, neater book. and, And I focused on that instead so I was kind to myself and didn't expect myself to you know churn out some masterpiece whilst I was constantly fretting and worried about my dad and visiting him at the psychiatric ward and so on Um, so I think you do have to perhaps you know if you have a range of different projects and you're in a very difficult space perhaps choose the easier one and be kind to yourself and of course at the same time if you're in a very difficult or pressurized situation escaping to another world can be um even more blissful in a way because it just gives you that that time to go into that other world and to leave those worries behind so in some ways that can also make it a bit easier because you're just so hungry for that experience yeah okay um michael what about you how does how how do you manage the kind of emotional demands of writing as well as the time demands. Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, to pick up on what you were saying about the emotional energy. And I think something I've realized recently uh, is that we we do only have a finite amount of that. And when you've spent it for one day, you can't just magic up more. 
Um, so there is definitely a sense in which I have to hold something back when I know I'm going to be writing. Uh, and I try not, I try to be careful not to fritter it away on unnecessary things, if you like. But then again, you know, I also have to make sure it stretches to, to family and, and to work. And there are definitely some days which are more draining than others. And then the writing is, is, is that much more difficult as, as a result. So it, it is tricky. And I go back to something I, I touched on earlier about, you know, thinking things through ahead of time. It's just, you know, it, it's it's a use of energy in, in a way, I suppose. But I, I, I call it imagineering. You know, when I'm when I'm out and about and I'm, I'm walking or I've, I've got free time, but I can't actually write. I, I, I deliberately invest my mental energy in playing with ideas and turning things over in my head and mm thinking things through and sometimes that's when my best ideas come to me um and when i've done that it means that even if i am running a little bit low come the evening i'm still able to write because i put in that groundwork and i'm, yeah. and I'm not coming to it you know uh completely cold as, as as i said before um so i think that that helps that helps maximize the time i do have um so it's 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 mercifully rare i have a monday evening where i'm you know completely stumped or or too tired but then again I, I do protect Mondays you know I, I intentionally you know hold more back on a Monday than I would on a on a Tuesday or a Thursday for instance and I presume you would you would say that the routine that you've established over a long period of time perhaps helps you your your brain your creative brain knows that Monday night is writing night or your your whole self knows that so it, in a sense you're ready because you're in that rhythm yeah Definitely. I, but then it, but it does also go throughout the week. It's just on Mondays, I know that I've got permission to, to really um, unleash it mm. and, and to let it carry me where I want to. Whereas at other times, I just sort of, I have to jot down notes. I have to do various things to sort of capture it and then uh, bottle it back up again. Um, do, you, do you try and make a point of holding in your mind exactly where you've got to so that you can think? forward from that point how how important is it to be aware of where you got to with the last session you did yeah very important because you know write a complete chapter might take me two or three mondays so i i need to remember where i am so i will often read back in a spare chunk of time which is not long enough to to pick the chapter back up again and really get into the writing but it helps to refresh my memory of Mm. of where i was what i've said and and that will then trigger other thoughts that I will bring with me to the next writing session. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely so much of writing happens before you actually come to write. That's just as important as when you're as when you're writing. OK, um, Sam, what about you? I'd like, to, I'd like to kind of get your opinion on this. So do you make a point of remembering where you'd got to with your with the previous session and try to kind of think it through, as it were, when you're not in front of the computer or when you're not writing stuff down how, how important is that kind of thinking for you yeah I, I i think michael's right i think a lot of writing is done when you're not writing in that say i go to the library and i write for a couple of hours mm. then I, yeah every day i always feel that that's like rustiness that you know you have come back to the to the book and in any way i i try not to take too many days off each week so that I'm writing and writing and writing like I'd rather write perhaps one day where I do less work but I maintain a certain continuity 
yeah. so that it's because I find that say I've taken a whole weekend off it's I find it very hard to pick it up again I need to just keep it lively in my mind day after day after day mm. and mm. so mm. that it's always there and so if I sorry as I was saying if I go to the cafe or the library for a couple of hours when I come home and I'm cooking lunch I'm still churning over the book mm. and in fact that act of letting go um, can often produce some some really good ideas or say when you're having a bath or a shower and you're not under any pressure often wonderful ideas can come I also take some time out to do transcendental meditation which I learned when I was a teenager which David Lynch raves about as a, a creative aid and I must say I do find that really helpful because it it makes I just feel so fresh after I've done it mm. and often during meditation in towards the end because it takes 20 minutes towards the end often problems that I've had with a plot or a character suddenly there's a ding and the answer comes as well and again it's it's a moment where you let go the mind is rested mm. and then often the best things come then yeah mm. so maybe there is a kind of state of mind which helps to undo tricky plot problems or, mm. or manage mm. manage that kind of stuff what about you Michael do you have anything like that any sort of do you use any mind techniques or anything at all to kind of help you perhaps subconsciously untie the knots in a story or, or, or how does that work for you that kind of thing I just want to pick up on, on what Sam's just said mm. that I think she's right that regularity is, is so important and, and you can't allow yourself to get, to get rusty sometimes when you're writing it, it takes a while for the best stuff to come through um, it's almost like when you've turned on a tap and you've got, you know, in, in some places, cloudy water to begin with, and it, it gradually sort of clears as, as it runs. It's in the yeah. same way you sort of get into the groove with the writing. But for me, I mean, I I use prayer. I use nature. I, I love to get out into nature, even if it's just a lunchtime walk in the local nature reserve, which I'm very blessed to have close by. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, some of my best ideas come to me there uh, or if I'm on top of a mountain which you know doesn't happen as often as I'd like but you know at least once a year I try and get away to some more dramatic landscapes which just just spark things which don't mm. otherwise come to me when I'm walking down a suburban street and I don't know the neuroscience of it but I'm intrigued by this notion of there being you know sort of a front of mind process and a sort of back of mind process mm. you know after you've finished writing something's just in the back of your mind while you're doing other things and it's some, a part of your brain is still turning it over and just, you know, playing with the mental puzzle until finally it can slot into place mm. from the most, while you're doing the most mundane things. I, I, I can definitely testify to that happening, although I couldn't tell you exactly how it happens. I'm sure there is a process by which stuff happens around a writing project at times when you're not completely focused on it, whether that's it's it's just in the back of your mind or perhaps you're using some kind of contemplative technique meditation prayer or or you know as you say Michael you're kind of just out in the fresh air or something so it's almost like if you're just a bit distracted in a helpful way some things fall into place I mean I don't know Sam does that does that seem to ring true for you is that is that a thing for you that kind of approach 
Mm, absolutely. Um, I feel that um, writing is like a muscle and it's good to exercise it each day, mm. even if it's mm. just so perhaps if you are very busy, even just to jot down a couple of notes or to read over a paragraph or a chapter that you've written. So on a day where, say, i am got a meeting with a publisher, I'm doing more promotion or, or just a more outward day, even then, if I'm on the train, I might just, you know, read a chapter and edit it and just try to keep it lively in my mind um, mm. always. And but even so, yes, that alternation, I think, between focus and being immersed in it and then pulling away from it, immersion and pulling away. Mm. Those are the two alternating mm. steps that that make the book work. And then, I mean, that's on a sort of day to day basis, but on, even on a a wider basis you know once you've finished a book it's always so important just to have a couple of weeks away from it and just to, to drop it and then read it in that sober state I think DBC Pierre came up with a really good piece of advice about this um, writing a fever and editing a cardigan which I love because I just think it does sum up those two states <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry to interrupt I just love that what, what was that uh, writing a fever but editing a cardigan I've got to make a note of that one <laughs> and we know we know yeah we kind of get the meaning of that though it does highlight I guess how I mean this is, this is perhaps another subject but um, the editing process is requires a different mental approach than the creative process perhaps we're sort of beginning to come to the end of, of our, our time here but I wondered if I could ask each of you perhaps to try and condense down into two or three points the most important things that you do the most important lessons you've learned given the pressures the legitimate pressures that you have on your life should we start with you michael two or three things that you do from perhaps thinking about across the things that you've said to us that you find helpful okay so the the first very important point would be scheduling you've got to schedule it in and you've got to protect that time if you if you don't do that then then other things will come in and squeeze it out uh, so you've got to you've got to schedule it in uh, be intentional and 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 very disciplined with it and sometimes that means pushing through uh, a difficult patch when it's your scheduled time and it's not quite flowing uh, and you don't think it's your best work you've just got to push through that because it, it's better to get something down that you can then work with than just to give up that time and, and you know, sort of risk breaking the habit in a way. Because um, it, it's so much easier to go back and, and rewrite what you've already written than to try and work with something that's not there at all. So, yeah, scheduling and pushing through difficult patches. Absolutely. And yeah, just just keeping up the habit. Keep keep writing. and. Uh, I, I love the phrase, um, do something every day that moves you closer to your dreams. I aspire to, even if I don't always perfectly live it out. It's it, Even if it's not as much as I'd like, I will do a little bit whenever I can. Mm. Mm. And I suppose connected to that is also managing your, your expectations. You know, I want to be able to write two to three times as much as I do in terms of hours and word counts. And I'd love to get to the point where I'm writing a book a year as I know I could if I had the time. Yeah. Um, but settling for the fact that, you know, it's only once every two or three years at the moment. And that that's okay at the moment. It's, it's a, just a particular season of life. And there will be another season when I don't have small children to parents uh, and I will miss that and I will want it back. 
Um, and no amount of world building now will compensate me for that if I miss it. Mm, that's true. So what about you, Sam? Have you got some, have you got a couple of two or three kind of pearls of wisdom that from your particular circumstances, you say this is the, this is the most important thing? Yeah, I think um, carving out time and for me, carving out a place, as I said, it, it used to be at home, but now it's 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 the local library or the local cafe. Mm. And I think if you have routines and habits and a regularity of routine and habit, if you can set it up, then in a way you don't have to think about it. I go to the same cafe and I sit at the same table most yeah. days. So it's just so automated. I don't have to worry. I know this cafe is very quiet. It's not popular. I know it will be quiet and empty. Therefore, I'm going to get my table. Yeah. So just that regularity. Okay. So a, yeah. a dedicated space, I think, is very important and a place. Yeah. And yes, as Michael says, I think you've if you've got to be dedicated, if not quite ruthless, yeah. about carving out time and saying, this is my space to write um, and, and maintaining that. Um, and I think, as I said before, being kind to yourself, if you're if you have very, very heavy responsibilities for a certain length of time, just to be patient, to accept that you've got them. You can always make notes, um, brainstorm, just try to do the very best that you can in that time and accept that, you know, maybe later you'll have more time to write. Um, and I would I would also say mental energy is important. I I try not to stay up late. For example, watching Netflix, I'd rather get an early night, have a lot of sleep, be refreshed and have that sharp mental energy and that which will go maintain a quality of writing and imagination, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important, too, because our our, our brain is our um, engine, our writing engine, if you like. So I think meditation, sleep are good as well as obviously you need adventure experience as well to write. But um, those things are also important. So. So there's a certain amount of look after yourself kind of physically and mentally involved in this, isn't there, I guess? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So just to finish off, first of all, come back to you, Michael. If anybody wants to kind of find out a little bit more about the the kind of things you're doing, you've told us a little bit about the genre you work in and the kind of work that writing work that you do. Uh, can you just remind us of that and, and tell us how people can find out more about you? Well, means for anyone wanting to explore the world, the best place to do it is my website, which is worldofastrom.com. That's, as it sounds, A-S-T-R-O-M, worldofastrom.com. Uh, and it's the same handle on social media. People can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at worldofastrom. Uh, and for the super keen, if anyone wants to see the sample chapters of the sequel as they're being written, you can also find me on Patreon, at patreon forward slash world of astron that's great okay and sam what about you if people want to um, find out a little bit more about you and your work uh twitter is probably the best place so i'm sam mills author and i must admit when i was writing my memoir i tweeted about once a month but i have got better now and i'm tweeting a couple of times a week at least um and mostly about what i'm reading but that also shapes my Mm -hmm. writing um and also sam mills author is my website and I'm now doing a, a monthly update there and just letting people know what I'm what I'm writing and what I'm doing and, and that's got all the details of my books and sure. okay yeah yeah so so I, if people are interested in that portfolio of work that, that, that you've got out there it's sammillsauthor.com was it yes that's it okay yeah. that's great um right well 
Michael, Sam, busy people that you are, thank you very much for the time uh, that you've given us just, just to sort of talk about this kind of stuff, really interesting and insightful points. And and for me, I think quite interesting that there, there was, there's a real overlap for both of you around intention with writing. So I, you, know, like you talked about different places, one of you works home, one of you works out away from home, but that kind of mental approach, intentional approach, scheduling, discipline, I think that that's come out for me from both of you. I think that's really quite interesting. Something anybody listening to this should perhaps reflect on as well. And and it doesn't it doesn't mean you negate all the, the other relationships and responsibilities that you've got. So yeah, Sam, Michael, thank you very much indeed for your time. It's been great to talk to you. Been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us, Andy. And yeah, really interested by what Sam has said. It's lovely to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. And nice to meet you, Michael. Yes thank you for listening to the creative writers toolbelt podcast you can find out more about the podcast at my website andrewjchamberlain.com where you can also find details of the creative writers toolbelt handbook which takes all the best advice and insights from the early episodes of the podcast and distill them into one volume I hope this episode has been useful to you on your writing journey. If it has, please do subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review as well, wherever you downloaded it. Thank you for listening to this episode and goodbye. Thank you.